how have you set your brand up to be um, really this unique, almost like a person in that that market or your industry, uh, where people see you, they talk to you, they interact with you, your firm, and there's just something that stands out, something that's memorable. You're listening to the Remarka Brand Podcast, where authentic brands win. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. We are so glad to have you. I'm excited actually, this time we're going to have all three of us on. We've got David Kosan across the table from Hello. us. He's back. And Sam Pagel, producing and commentating. Can he do it? Color That's the commentary. big question. <laughs> Color commentary. And Mike Jones, as usual. And uh, we just appreciate everyone listening in again. We are really excited for today's episode. We have been talking a lot about Brand Anthem over the last few episodes. And we're going to take a little detour on this one and talk about how Brand Anthem really needs to be founded on your authentic identity. We'll talk a little bit about that and how that can connect into your day-to-day marketing. This is probably going to be a multi-series that we'll kind of cover over over a while. We'll, we'll see how long it takes, but we've been talking a lot about this, and I'm really excited to jump in and, and get dive a lot deeper with David and Sam on this one. But before we do, name 10 things. Oh, boy. Sam, what do we got? All right, today um, I'm going to try to bridge the gap because it doesn't really connect, but it really does. So we're going <clears> to <throat> name 10 things that pertain to marketing and building relationships and building a loyal fan base. Mm-hmm. So we're going to name 10 new sports team names <laughs> because, you know, someday there's going to be a need. So <laughs> There's some free ones right here, people. All right. Get them, get them while they last. <laughs> David, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Denver uh, winglets. Yeah. I'm going to say Buffalo Shin Guards. All right. Uh, Minneapolis Snowflakes. The Nova Scotia Klondike Bars. Mm. The New York Pizza Slices. Canadian Rockies. (laughs) Simple. The Alberta Buoys. Buoys or Boys? Buoys. Buoys. Okay. Let's go with uh, Florida Men. Ah oh, man, Florida I was going to go Florida sinkholes. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Too. I see where you're going with that. That was mine. Florida, Florida sinkholes. Florida, okay. Uh, the uh, Saudi Arabian snake charmers. Mm. Uh, the Marsh Martian <laughs> Clay Clayborns. Yes. Are we at nine? <laughs> I think that's oh, nine. One more. Check one check more. marks. Ooh. The check, check marks. The check, check marks. Take it home. I love All it. Right. That was nice. Oh. I, I believe they prefer to be called Chechia now. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The well, Chechia checks. Then they can't be the check marks. I'm taking it back. <laughs> It'd be the Chechia Chech marks. They can't have that one. Okay. There's an asterisk on that one. <laughs> you're free to claim any of these unless you're from that one's Chechia. It's trademark. Trademark. Chechia. Chechia. Yeah. Yeah. Find your frequency. All right, brand anthem, marketing, and relationships. I want to I want to kick us off and just kind of think about relationships for a minute before we get into all the marketing stuff and tactics of brand anthem and all that fun stuff. We talk a lot about relationships at Resound. We've talked a lot about it in our book, actually, and we outlined I think some really important points of why your brand should matter, and one of them is for the sake of relationships. But I want to kind of 
take a step back, think about that again. So David, why is it that as a business who is trying to do business, I should care about relationships? Like why, why do we keep coming back to that? Yeah, I mean, because ultimately uh, you do business with people. Hmm. And with people, you must have relationships. Typically, the better the relationship, the quality of the relationship, the better your business, right? The better your business does and performs as a result of the quality of those relationships. So ultimately, we are just encouraging people to think about people first. Mm. That it's about relationships first. It's about connecting with these people first before jumping straight into the dollars and cents part. Obviously, business, you need money to, to survive. <laughs> uh, you need to make a profit. Yeah. Typically, that's what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, but where does that money come from? Well, it comes from a happy customer Yeah, that pays you for a job well done. Yeah, the value you're providing for them. Right. Yeah. So that's why we keep stressing this. We're never going to stop talking about how important relationships are. And uh, we feel a pathway to, to having a good quality relationship with your customers, with your audience, is by being yourself and being who you authentically are yeah i think there's i mean there's so many challenging goals that as either a business owner or especially in the marketing seat that a lot of firms have and a lot of people we're talking to are in um you know there's all these other metrics that kind of get thrown around it's like obviously sales gets thrown around like how many closed deals do we have this month or how much have we invoiced or you know, and then you start laddering up into other metrics like, okay, well, how many impressions do we have? And what's our social media following looking like today? How many likes and retweets? And mm. I don't know what the metric is on TikTok. I'm clearly <laughs> showing my age, but uh, whatever that is, uh, Chinese dollar symbols. Views. Oh, views, views, oh. <laughs> plays. Is that what they call them? I don't know. Views. I'm not on TikTok. Views, plays, whatever they are. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like all these things. I, you know, it's not bad, right? Like they're not necessarily, I wouldn't argue that you shouldn't measure these things mm -hmm. or at least consider them, look at them. Um, but we keep coming back to like, just remember it's the relationship that ultimately matters. Um, those others are substitutes for measuring relationship. And maybe if you add them up correctly and you think about them rightly, mm -hmm. there's a way that you can say, okay, we are building relationships, you yeah. know, more people interacting with our content on LinkedIn might actually mean that maybe we're building more relationships. Um, but I, I, I was, I, I mean, you know, we own a business <laughs> and it's so easy for, for me to get distracted with like, what's the sale? What are the sales numbers? What's the, what, you know, how we're doing in terms of the goals that we set for the year. And just remembering time and time again, just how important it is that we invest in the people that we serve mm -hmm. and that we invest in the relationships, even when it maybe seems like this momentary investment we're going to make in the relationship doesn't have a direct payoff today. Like, how is that going to lead to a sale? Well, who cares? Like, mm -hmm. give someone value right now today, knowing that over the long term, our goal is to build these lasting relationships, not just any kind of relationship, but lasting relationships where they're getting lots of value from us. We're getting value from them, obviously, through some kind of exchange of, mm -hmm. of you know, services for, for money or whatever it is. But there's like intrinsic value to our relationship. Uh, hopefully it's more than just dollars and cents. Um, and that we want to 
we want to continue to work with them and they want to continue to work with us. And I think every firm can resonate with that, especially firms. I think that we talk to a lot in professional services and particularly accounting where, you know, the, the tenure of your relationship to some degree speaks to the, the health of your firm, mm-hmm. right? A client who's been with you 10, 15, 30 years speaks a lot to how much value you've delivered for them rather than, you know, okay, they're here and <laughs> a year or two from now they're gone and there's a high churn rate. Yeah. That probably speaks to the fact that maybe a relationship is not at the forefront of your minds as you're working and you're, you're trying to market and get out there. Yeah. I find that, I mean, in my, my own habits and how I, you know, find and hire uh, help, whether it's a CPA or what, you know, what have you. And there's certain folks that we've worked with forever or we'll drive clear across town to go see a particular doctor that we've been with forever. We moved long ago. We're not anywhere near this person, <laughs> but I've got a relationship there. And that relationship and that history, that longevity is more important than the extra gas I'm you know, mm. <laughs> spending to get out there. So that's, I, I think you're right. I think, and it's also when you're in the other end of that spectrum, when you don't, you're having a hard time finding somebody that you feel like you connect with for whatever reason, you're just, it's like, man, I've tried these three different accountants and every year I seem to just not, not be getting what I'm looking for. Right. That, that speaks to like a lack of, like you said, a focus on relationships and, and, uh, building for that first, like seeking to serve people well and to connect with them well, more than to just get another client and close another deal. Yeah. And we feel that as customers, anywhere we go and anything that we buy, I mean, when you're treated like you're just another transaction or you're treated like you're a row on a spreadsheet, you feel it. <laughs> another yeah. object in your CRM database. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you feel that. I mean, you, we, we feel that. When someone's taking the time to personally connect with you or, you know, and if you've ever had a really, I mean, it's rare these days, unfortunately, but if you've had a good customer service experience where someone actually was like, I will personally take care of this for you and they follow through on it and they get back to you, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's speaks volumes. And then you have a great opinion of that company, that brand, whatever, that mm-hmm. just because of that one person uh, focusing on you and prioritizing you. And so, Yeah relationships is, is huge in business. And that's, I guess our argument is that that should be the primary goal always, whether we're talking about marketing, whether we're talking about sales, whether we're talking about views, clicks, yeah. plays, retweets, whatever. The primary goal is to build long lasting quality relationships. Yep. So every, every business would probably say, yes, I, I would love to build strong relationships with my customers. So we're basically saying, <clears throat> Authentic identity is the means by which we do that. So I have a, I have a question, and this might be leading into something else, but I, I'm thinking of the, let's say, the accounting firm who has partners that are really great, right? They're smart, they're personable, they're friendly, they do great work. Um, the people that, their existing customers love working with them. They're you know, whenever they interact with them, there's authentic identity there, right? They're not being tricked, right? But then there's this other side of like, nobody or someone who's never heard of that firm, right? They've, they don't, they've never heard of their name, they've never interacted with them, but they need 
the service that that firm provides. So how does authentic identity play into that when you don't have that personal touch yet, when you haven't interacted with those great people that are, you know, behind this digital wall of like, I've never talked to you, but I need your service and I need this. And there's obviously tons of competition out there. How does authentic identity fit into that element of it? Because if you are a good business, your people are good, right? You've Mm -hmm. got good people. Um, And if you're able to somehow get in front of those people and talk to them, sit in a room together, things are going to go well. But that doesn't happen a lot, right? (laughs) That's not how business works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the challenges is what you just mentioned, right? There is no person typically at the front of the experience that you're starting to build with a potential client before they become a client. Their first interactions are often with very impersonal assets of yours, your website, maybe an ad that you might put out there, or they heard about you from someone else, right? And so you don't have the luxury of relying on the individuals in your firm to express all that personality. You have to rely on things like your name and your logo and your tagline and you know, a video that you put together to explain who you are. And a lot of times, I mean, even more and more so as we move further and further into this like digital, I don't know, is it digital first now? I feel like that's so sad. It makes me want to cry. Um, But like, there's so much more like every client that you're potentially going to talk to gets to own more and more of the initial relationship without ever talking to you, right? They get to kind of really do their homework and do their research and really come to know you in a lot of ways when you don't have a lot of voice in that. You just get to like put some stuff on your website and put some content out in the world, put social out, put some ads out, um, maybe some video, uh, you know, maybe do a podcast or something. It's like, okay, so how many things are out there that they're going to interact with before they ever actually talk to a real person? Which goes to the point I'm trying to make, which is your firm's identity has to come through loud and clear in all of those touch points as much as you can, right? You're limited. We talked about that on a past episode. You know, one of the reasons why we love video so much is because you can get so many sensory inputs in a video. You know, you get visual, you get audio, there's storytelling, um, there's just, you know, your production level. Yeah. You can see a a range of production level across videos. Um, So you, you get all that. But I mean, think about like your website. Your website is primarily text and maybe some images. You know, your logo's there. You can get to see some colors and stuff. Is that the totality of your firm's brand? Is that all of your personality? I hope not. I hope there's a lot more depth to it than those things. But you don't have a lot to work with. And so every one of those touch points, every one of those pieces of that communication becomes really, really critical to say, look, we are who we are. We have these strengths. We are... We are dialed in on, on helping these kinds of people with these kinds of problems. We might be a really good fit for you if you fit in that kind of category that we've, we've carved yeah. out for ourselves. And, and when a company has, so I'm thinking about services, like mm. we talked about like accountants or what, what, what have you, uh, any, any industry where you have the opportunity to get that net promoter score up too, like if you're, if you have the privilege of, 
customers that are willing to give you feedback or post a review somewhere because um, reviews are huge right now. So if if you're <laughs> if you're soliciting reviews and asking, you know, hey, if you don't mind, would you post a review after we're done here with, you know, hopefully it's a good one, right? But hopefully you're not <laughs> like uh, manipulating or gamifying the system, but you're getting honest feedback from customers. And if it's good feedback, that speaks volumes. So I think a lot of the times the metrics that we're after for those types of businesses, CSAT, like a net promoter score, like yeah. how satisfied are your customers and how willing are they to tell others about your business and rave about you to their friends, right? And so those reviews uh, speak volumes, but then how important is it that you've got that complimentary, authentic brand experience to back that up. Because mm-hmm. if you have a bunch of like five-star reviews without a well-put-together website or without a well-put-together brand, it looks shady. It's yeah. like, is this an MLM scheme or something? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Why do I see all these five-star reviews, but I can't find anything about these guys online? Or I can't develop that yeah. that trust or that feel for for this relationship before I even talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Trust is built, one, on on just consistency, right? Like you say something and you deliver it every time. Yeah. Um, And that can happen even in your, you know, very superficial things in your branding. Like, hey, we use the same color every single time, (laughs) right? It's always us. But it's also, trust is also built on expressing the uniqueness of your firm. Uh, Yes, consistently but uniquely with creativity, with interest, right? Mm. There is trust built when someone, a firm in particular, a a brand really understands who they are, what they are best suited in the world to do, who they're best suited to serve, and then finds every tangible way to express that consistently in everything they do. It's the consistency side of it, but it's also like the interest side of it. It's the like, yeah, this all makes sense to me. Um, you can be consistently bad, <laughs> you know, or, or consistently boring or consistently vague. <laughs> you can. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't produce trust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like having an actual like, this is who we are. Let's, let's put our stake in the ground and rally around it and say, this is who we are and what we stand for. This is our authentic identity. And we're not going to stray from that. And we're going to lean into it in every point of communication. Mm-hmm. I think there's that a builds lot, a lot of trust. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, I've, I've kind of always thought in the terms of like a business that's out there, that's to- telling a, a really tall tale that mm. they can never live up to. But I think we're, we're starting to see, especially in uh, accounting, law firm, all these professional services industries that it's kind of the opposite with their marketing. Like what yeah. they have put out there in the world is so much lower than who they are as a firm, actually. Um, and a lot of times, you know, it just, it, there's not a lot of control over that. Um, and I'm thinking of just like a, a simple example could be like, hey, maybe you're the accounting firm that really doesn't care about like pleasing people, relations, relationships. Um, there's no love. It's just, we get it done, right? Like tax, Tax don't care about your feelings, right? And <laughs> That's so a great tagline that, right there. You, you, Somebody needs to grab that one. But if your website says, we're the accountants who love and care and nurture, and it's like there's a smiling guy with a handshake on the homepage, and then you call them, and it's like, what do you want? You want some taxes? And it's like, 
You want the what? Ta- they're <laughs> buying taxes. Like, yeah, so. you want some taxes. Uh, versus, no, I don't. <laughs> if they were honest about that, or they were at least accurate about that on their website, collateral, whatever, and you call them and you get that answer, it's like, yeah, I want some taxes. Let's go. You know, I don't care about the fluffy stuff. I just want you to do my taxes really well. So I think there's this like you can undersell yourself a lot mm-hmm. too in the way that you market to where you're not necessarily being purposefully dishonest, no. um, but your identity is not portrayed as who you are authentically. Or being as like pointed and specific as you yeah. could be. Um, and, and I know that the tension is there, right? Like to do that means t- taking some risk, yeah. saying no to certain kinds of clients or certain kinds well, it of takes effort projects. Too. And it definitely takes effort. That's for sure. So um, what are the pitfalls that happen when we're not using our authentic identity? I think we've started to touch on this, right? Like that lack of specificity, that lack of kind of leaning in, right? But what are the pitfalls? Like how do we know that we're not being clear? What are maybe some of the signs? Yeah. uh, Disconnect. You feel those disconnects with your customers or potential customers. You lose deals, yep. right? <laughs> like, you're like, what's wrong? I, I don't, I'm not, yeah, something's not clicking. Um, or just like customers had different expectations. Like mm. they went in thinking you were the, we don't care, we're just going to get your taxes done. And then you ended up being the lovey, fluffy. <laughs> like, and that there, there's this mismatch of expectations and what they actually walked into. That That's jarring, and most likely it's not going to result in in business, a successful business. Yeah, I think there's a longevity issue too, you know, with your relationships. You start to see people not not sticking, right? Clients aren't sticking around. Right. And they, I think that have, probably yeah. lead, that's probably a direct result of the like, hey, I, it felt one way before we inked the deal. And then three months in, uh, it's just feeling different. I, I right. maybe not don't feel like necessarily I got sold, you right. know, like bait and switch kind of thing, but just like, Oh, this isn't all I, all I thought it yeah. was going to be. Or you get the clients that were in a hurry mm. and they just needed to pick somebody. Yep. So they went with you yep. <laughs> and you find out that you were their like second or third choice anyway. And so they're probably not going to stick around. Yeah. Yep. The longevity is definitely going to be a problem. I think another one that, I mean, you know, we kind of have to talk about it. It is business. So we got to talk about money. Like if you're winning consistently on cost, you're the cheapest. That's probably a good indication that your brand, your authentic identity isn't working for you. And you're having to find shortcuts to help you get the deals, to get the clients and to keep them. Um, I, I think that's an easy one. I, it's not a fun one. It's not, a, you know, it's easy to find. It's less easy to fix. Mm. But, um, you know, you have to understand, like, is this who we are? We're just, we've become the low cost provider because we're not willing to lean into our brand and our, our true authentic identity. I think, I think most businesses would be able to tell you what their ideal customer would look like if you ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're not getting any of those and through your marketing mm-hmm. avenues or even just your messaging, whatever you're telling people. There's probably a good indication that you're just not saying the right things to people. Yeah. What are you communicating? And, uh, you know, we've, we've dealt with that where like we get some leads that come in and we're like, 
how did you find us? And <laughs> why did you think we could help? And, you know, we, we've gotten to a point, thankfully, where we can be like, you know what, it's just not a good fit for us. We, yep. Here's some other people you could work with. And, but if that constantly kept happening and that's all we're getting, and then we're forced to like work with those clients, that's, that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, especially if you're feeling the pressure that you have to like take those deals. I think it's one thing to be like, okay, we get a handful of those here and there. I mean, if you're getting a lot, then there probably is a question about the positioning and your messaging probably isn't on target. But, um, you know, if you're getting a handful here and there and you're, but, but you're in the, the seat where you can say no, you can redirect them and say, you know, we're not a good fit for you. I don't think we can serve you the best that you need because you're don't fit our demographic. You don't fit our industry that we're focused on. You don't fit the size of client that we're working with. You don't fit the problem set that we really are specialized in. And you can say, here's three other firms that might be a good fit for you. I think that's actually a very telling sign. I think it's a really good point, Sam, of just, that's a really telling sign that the brand is starting to really work. Yeah. And um, you're maturing in your sense of self, yep. of your own identity. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, how can we start to apply authentic identity in our marketing? And we've spent, I mean, you can go back past episodes. We've spent probably hundreds of hours talking about how to find your authentic identity. And maybe we'll come back to that and connect people into some, some of those ideas. But let's assume you've, you've done some homework. You've got some idea of your authentic identity. You have that brand anthem that we talked about a few episodes ago. You really know the story you're trying to tell, but now you're actually having to employ that in your marketing. How do you start to do that? How do you take authentic identity from ethereal thoughts and ideas and maybe a brand handbook and really start to go, this is how it applies to our nuts and bolts in our day to day? Yeah. I mean, you really have to know. It, it reminds me of like great actors and actresses that really know their character really well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so much so that they can be put on the spot, you know, giving an interview on Fallon or whatever. And they immediately, that character can just flow out of them naturally. In this case, it should be natural because it is who you are. You're not trying to be another character. Mm -hmm. You're just knowing yourself all the more, like all the better than you'd had previously. So the more that you are understanding who you are and what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and what to avoid, the more that you can just let flow naturally. Now, of course, you have a team most mm -hmm. likely that has to also know yeah. who you are. Uh, and in a lot of cases, there might be a founder who's like, well, this is just secondhand. Like, this is just like natural for me. Yeah. Let me do all the marketing. But you got a team and you need to let the team do the work. So they've got to just live it. They got to understand. They got to study it and know how their brand responds in every situation, right? In every single marketing channel. So that's that's the challenge up front is making sure that they're educated, that they're all on board, that they're aligned on who we are, how we speak, why why we believe this, why do we behave this way? And then allow that to come out in your marketing. And then you probably need to like audit it before it goes like you know, yeah. live uh, on site or out in the marketplace. You want to make sure that it, hey, just a couple of checks. Does this feel like us? Hmm. Does this sound like us? Does this sound like something that our brand would would say? And hopefully everyone in the team has a good sense. Yeah, that feels on brand. That feels like that's us. Or you know what? Hey, I might tweak it here or there just to get that tone right. It's important to take yep. that extra two seconds to 
It's probably not two seconds, but yeah. <laughs> get the extra pair of eyes on it. Make sure it feels natural and it feels authentic. Yeah, I, I like the beginning. I mean, I love all what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> just the beginning part. But the beginning part was, I think, something that maybe <clears throat> we even miss miss a little bit sometimes of how important it is that your own team, both your marketing team and the rest of your firm, really believes the identity that you've gone and done all the hard work to uncover and is owning it, right? And so I think there is uh, this kind of continual reflection back mm. on your identity and saying, we're going to put it in front of ourselves over and over and over. We're going to look at different points of it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to flesh it out. Like when we say we have this core value or this fundamental belief as a brand, what does that look like day to day? What does that look like day to day for someone in the marketing team? What does that look like day to day for someone on the tax team or the advisory team or even in the back office administration, right? And, you know, accounts payable, accounts receivable, that kind of stuff. I think, I think that that's just a really missed opportunity to understand that your, your marketing always starts from the inside out. It starts with your people. And without starting there or at least continually coming back to your people inside your firm and reinforcing the brand over and over. And I don't mean just like, okay, we looked at the brand handbook every annual hand, like all hands meeting, right? Or the annual retreat or something like, all right, here's the, you know, here's the CMO doing their, doing their brand handbook review again. Oh man. Or I, and I don't, I don't want to, Put that down. I think that can be a wise thing to do. But like, think about how to make that more interesting. How can you um, maybe take a piece of it and really dive deep with it, workshop it, maybe add some discussion to it? Um, I know a lot of firms do onboarding with you know their brand, right? Take your brand handbook and apply it in your onboarding process. That's great. Do that. But how are you reinforcing that over time? Um, even doing workshops with specific, specific teams. I, and we're getting in the weeds here. There's lots of ideas there. I just, I wanted to make sure we didn't miss that. I think that is a huge opportunity for firms to really level up their authentic identity and the usage of it. Um, just like know it, know it inside and out and really believe it. Everyone in the firm needs to believe it. Sure. Do the swag, you know, get everybody excited about it. Um, do something fun, cool every year with, you know, some new promotional item that people actually want. Uh, don't do any more pens, please. <laughs> no more pens. Um, yeah. What else? Like, what? What? How else can we start to employ our authentic identity in our day-to-day -day marketing? Maybe with like, how, how do we do audience selection? How do we find the right people to be putting our messaging in front of? Yeah, I think it's you know, authentic identity is obviously not just about how you look or how you talk. It's it's also who you want to be talking to. Mm -hmm. It's like giving your your firm permission to say, we're not going to care about the whole world. We're really just going to focus on this specific, you know, piece of the market um, or this specific industry. And yeah, we'll we'll talk to people outside of that, but we're gonna we're gonna really lean into this. Or even just um the services you offer. Mm. There's going to be, I mean, there's always going to be people that ask you to do something that you've either, either never done or you're just not, eh, we're just not great at that. But yeah, you know, there's, you know, there's revenue there. Let's try it. Um, <laughs> it's giving you and your firm permission to say no to those things. 
um, so that you can do the things that you're really good at even better um, and serve people well with, you know, in the markets and the services that, that you really want to lean into. And it has so many benefits that I can think of in your marketing when you start to really understand, like, who are we best able to serve? And not that, again, not that you have to turn away anyone who's anywhere outside of that category, but like when you're deciding, like, how are we going to spend our budget this year? Where are we going to put ads? What conferences are we going to attend? What, what product, like what content are we going to put out in the marketplace and what publications do we want to get that in front of? Where's our managing partner going to go speak this year? You know, like, or, you know, we talked about writing a book. Uh, you, you, maybe you decide you're going to write a book, right? On your positioning or something about your firm, or you're doing something really interesting within your set of services. Maybe you have a unique process, right? Well, who's that book going to be written to? Everybody, <laughs> any business. I just, man, that that's like giving, it's like shooting yourself in the foot before you even start the race, right? Um, it gives you so much power when you can really lean in and it doesn't have to just be industry. I know there's a lot of firms out there that'll fight me on that, right? They'll say, oh, well, we're, we do niche marketing and we do, you know, here's 10 industries that we're in because we're big, we're a big firm and we can serve a lot of industries and that's how we grow. Okay. That that's fine. Do that. Like have different industries, have different teams focused on each industry. That's fine. That's a perfectly valid, very acceptable. And clearly it works right to some degree. But have something about your firm, about your identity that's uniquely you. If it's not industry, that's fine, right? You can be in a bunch of industries if you want, but you need to find something else then. Maybe that's, maybe that's geographic. Maybe that's a certain kind of problem, right, that certain firms have, or maybe a certain size of firm that you help, a certain size of company that you're uniquely suited to help serve. Um, maybe I like, I like your idea, Sam, like limiting your service set. Maybe really like focusing in on a particular set of services that you can offer across industries, but where you're really become known for like this tighter set, right? We're the firm that really is like, it's, it's the audits. We really, and I don't have no idea if that's a valid market for a CPA firm. I, you need oh, yeah. to do your homework, right? Like yeah. understand like, who, what are we really good at? What are our people really good at? What are our processes built around? What are, again, do your, do your strengths and weaknesses, you know, assessment. There's lots of preamble here we're not covering. We're assuming you've done all that stuff. Um, but then, like, lean in and own it. If it's audit, say that everywhere. And don't confuse people and start saying other stuff, too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> audit and, 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 and yeah. this. It's like, oh, my goodness. You do everything, which means you do nothing. It's like the uh, batteries only story that then becomes batteries only plus <laughs> batteries plus bulbs only batteries plus bulbs. I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> and some other stuff probably. <laughs> yeah. But see, even in that, right? Okay. Let's take, let's beat up. Well, I, you're beating up batteries plus. I actually think there's some strategy. I think it's a little weak. It's a little bit of a weakness on their branding, right? It's very limiting because they branded around a product, right? A product category. So when they want to, if they have to pivot, if there's not enough, you know, yeah. in that market, or it's like, wow, we really want to have, we want to get people in the door more often. Why do we, we have gotta, so many bulbs laying around? We've got to add bulbs to the list. But I'll guarantee you they have a lot more than batteries and bulbs too, right? Yeah. And they can do that. They don't have to advertise all those other things. They just know once you're in the door, 
we're going to be able to sell these other things because right. you're going to need them. So someone at some some point decided, oh, we need to put bulbs in our name. Yeah. That's the real, I want to know that story. Batteries Plus is great. Yeah. It's batteries and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know they're focused on batteries. It gives you the target. It gives you like, <laughs> what's the center bullseye of the target? It's, I got to go batteries. for batteries. And if it's anything else, it's like, well, it's got to be tangential to batteries. Which bulbs makes a lot of sense. Bulbs do make sense. I, I, I can get down with but, that. And they both start with B, so there's alliteration and, you know. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> so, we understand the temptation <laughs> and they couldn't resist, so they had to put bulbs in their name. Yeah. I actually had a friend who managed a bunch of Batteries Plus stores for years, so <laughs> hello, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Um. Yeah, what were we talking about? Oh, your audience, right? Yep. I think I think your authentic identity can even help with audience targeting. And I mean, just think about that. You're you're loading up your next LinkedIn ad, or you're loading in your, you know, your Google Display ads, and you're like, oh man, what keywords are we gonna put in, or what, what, uh, how are we gonna target this? What job titles? What what industries? Just having those answers like right off the bat, and just saying, nope, these are the ones. We're always into these, right? this is who we are just make things a lot easier i think there's just a lot of efficiency out of that so i think there's a lot of other things that we can get to and we're gonna get to them we're gonna do i think a lot more of these podcasts on this like kind of how do you link your authentic identity to your marketing that's really what we're talking about and drive those relationships so i'm curious i would love to hear if any listeners want to chime in what they want to hear about. How do you link those things? Maybe give us some stories of how you've done it or maybe some challenges you're running into. How do you link your authentic identity as a, as a firm with your marketing? Because again, we know like there's so many different data points, so many different metrics that everyone's screaming at you to, oh, do you have a report on how, how we did with this one social post that we put out three years ago? You know, like, it's like, okay, you know, do that, but don't get distracted. At least not too much. Yeah, I, th- I think even, and this is, to me, it's a little bit more of the fun stuff of like, you know, we, we always preach, figure out your firm's personality traits, um, figure out the values of your firm. So what does your firm actually believe in? Mm. Um, even when, you know, maybe your market changes or your services change, but your, your values, your beliefs never change. What are those things? And then what is your, you know, the guidelines that you, you know, verbally that, that you talk to, like, how do you talk? How do you sound? Are you exciting? Are you, are you boring? Are you fun? Are you Nobody's more serious? boring, Sam. Well, somebody might want to be boring. Um, and then what do you look like? Straight laced. Yeah. Straight laced. There you go. That's yeah. a good one. It's a good trait. Yeah. Um, what do you look like? And you know, for whether it's you or the person who's doing the marketing for your firm, what constraints are you putting around them so that they can do that well and consistently? Um, hopefully the constraints are not bad constraints. Hopefully they're good. Mm. Um, but what, what, how, how have you set your brand up to be um, really this unique, almost like a person in that, that market or your industry uh, where people see you, they talk to you, they interact with you, your firm. And there's just something that stands out, something that's memorable. The Remarka Brand Podcast is a project of Resound, 
and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and David Kosand. It's produced and edited by Sam Pagel. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at RemarkableCast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, find out more about the Remarkable Brand Podcast, or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at RemarkableCast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media, LLC, 2022.